This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas this week. I drew a blank for a second. And staff writer Richard Sims is standing by with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. A popular Royal Caribbean attraction is, well, going to be taken off the ships. Yeah, this is kind of cool. Um, I have never experienced this. but So over the past decade or so, there's been a real interest in developing deck top attractions on ships. You know, things like roller coasters and, you know, whatever. One of them, one of the most unique, actually, is Royal Caribbean's SkyPad. The whole kind of concept is that you like you you put on these virtual reality headsets and then bounce on a trampoline, which is attached to bungee cords, and you know because of the virtual reality headset, you're sort of experiencing doing this in other worlds or on the moon or whatever. You can also just do it without the 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 virtual reality if it's you know if you're afraid you're going to get sick or something. It's only on four ships, on Independence, Mariner, Odyssey, and Spectrum of the Seas. And there have been issues with this kind of from the start. Now, from a visual point of view, you know which ships have it because you've seen the pictures of them. It looks like there's a giant, like, orange or lemon posed on the back of this ship. Uh and it's not a high capacity attraction. Like there are always, when it's open, there's always long lines and it's not always open because sometimes they have issues with the various equipment and stuff. So it's, it's been problematic. People who do it, love it, but it can also be really problematic, but not anymore because it's being shut down across all four ships pretty much immediately. They haven't really said what's going to replace it. Although travel agents were told that the space is going to be used for activities, which won't have a fee attached as for the big sphere on the back of the ship for now that seems to be staying which makes sense it'd probably be easier to figure out what do we do with it what do we you know turn it into than it would be to pay the expense that would be involved with removing those because they do not look like they would easily be removed and they're also aesthetically pleasing too though like it kind of gives the ship some character when you're next to it in port like oh my gosh i want to sail royal caribbean because of that big orange thing yeah, of course, now you're going to say, I want to sail Royal Caribbean because of that big orange thing, and you're going to get on, and you're going to be like, oh, it's just a big empty sphere. There's nothing in it. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. The yeah. <laughs> so a major cruise line has, just make up your mind, Norwegian. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to complain about this. Let them change their mind, because in this case, they're they're listening to what people want, and they're changing their mind back to it. Uh so Norwegian has decided that uh, starting in April, they're going to go back to the e-muster drill, which has been very popular across every line that's done it. You know, we saw Disney go back to the old-fashioned, everybody get in a room, everybody sit together, everybody listen to the staff, muster drill. Um, and Norwegian also switched over to the old, or switched back, I should say, to the old-fashioned muster drills. But now um, they are starting to roll them back out. Now, they're doing this beginning in April. April, but interestingly, they're not saying like 
all the ships will be doing it April 1st. They're saying it'll start on April 1st and then roll across the fleet. I don't know if that means, you know, maybe there's technology that has to be reintroduced that they took off, you know, all of the programs or whatever, and now it has to be put back. But it will be happening starting April 1st. And they're saying they're doing it in an effort to enhance the onboard guest experience while keeping the safety of their guests and crew a top priority, which basically means y'all complained about it and we're fixing it. And it would be lovely if everything that we all got together and complained about had that reaction. Um, we have seen it a couple times lately. We are seeing, you know, lines make some changes based on things that people complained about. A couple weeks ago, we reported that uh, Carnival is bringing back the fun times, you know, the little newsletter that you get in your stateroom every evening. And that was because fans, you know, of the cruise line and of the newsletter really have been very vocal about it ever since it went away. So who knows what could be next? We, we the people, do have some power in this situation. I wonder if that change had something to do with Norwegian's big change. Yeah, when, you know, the king is dead, long live the king kind of thing. Uh, Norwegian announced that Frank Del Rio is stepping down as CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, which is the parent company of Norwegian Cruise Line. He's stepping down in June. And as always happens in situations like this, everybody basically gets to move one space up on their checkerboard. So... Frank will be stepping down, but he's going to remain on as a consultant, meaning he will still get lots of money. Don't worry about him. He'll be okay. Uh, Harry Summers, who has been serving as president of Norwegian Cruise Line, will slide into Del Rio's chair. So that means he'll go from Norwegian Cruise Line's president to CEO of Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, for those of you keeping track. So that leaves the question of who then takes over NCL. And that's going to be David Herrera, who was the chief consumer sales and marketing officer at Norwegian Cruise Line. So he'll now be president of NCL. Everybody moves up. Will be interesting to see what kind of changes this me this you know brings to mind. I mean, Harry has been a very present force in Norwegian Cruise Line over the last couple of years, uh, and I I mean, Frank is something of a controversial character. There are a lot of cruisers who don't necessarily care for him or his style, uh, and so Harry sort of has a more boyish and charming appeal, but will that actually translate into him being able to do some of the tough things that a person has to do when they take on that top job? I mean, not just at one cruise, you know, one division of the cruise line, but the cruise line and all of its subsidiaries as a whole. This is the second big change of this type that we've seen in the last little bit, because of course, Arnold Donald also stepped down from Carnival. So there's a lot of changes and it'll be fun to see what these new people who come into the positions bring. You know, do they sort of keep things, you know, keep on keeping on or do they say, okay, now I've got the power. I'm going to make some big changes. On the subject of Carnival Corporation, they are selling a cruise ship and they have just officially transferred a cruise ship from one line to another. So, yeah, Seabourn, um, Carnival Corporation's luxury and expedition cruise line, Seabourn, they announced that they're selling the Seabourn Odyssey to a company called Mitsui OSK. Uh, that's, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. What's kind of unusual here is usually when they sell a ship, you know, it happens pretty quickly. There's the transfer and all that. But in this case, Seabourn is, is going to continue to operate 
all of its voyages on the Odyssey until August of 2024. That's when the, the they will transfer ownership of the ship. And the way they're doing it is, although they have sold the ship, they're basically doing this as a charter. They're basically going to charter the ship from the new owners so that they don't have to cancel the cruises, which, you know, always leaves a bad taste in the mouth of your passengers who you're hoping to keep on as future guests on your line. One of the things that this sale will do is because Odyssey is one of the oldest ships in Seaborn's fleet, that means they will now be able to kind of boast that they have one of the most modern fleets in that luxury segment because their ships will now be, when you look at them all together, they'll have an average age of just seven years, which is, you know, that's a, that's a good number because this was, this was the oldest ship in their fleet. So when you take that ship out of the math equation, I'm not great at math, but you take out the oldest and that kind of, you know, brings everybody else up. So now the average age of their ship will be seven years. The other story here is one that we've been following for quite a while. Uh, for those who don't know, Carnival Corporation, you know, is a huge company that owns a couple of cruise lines, including an Italian vision, a division called Costa. And a while back, Carnival Corporation said that two ships would be leaving Costa and coming over to Carnival Cruise Line. So the first of those ships is the Venezia, which just arrived in Cadiz, Spain, where she's going in her dry dock and she's going to undergo a transformation that will give her sort of a Carnival livery. She will not be getting the traditional carnival whale tail um, that is going to stay with its the way it is now um, but she will be getting a lot of things that people consider like you know fan favorite venues on board carnival what's what will be kind of neat is you might have uh, a fan favorite thing like say guys burgers in an unusual looking venue because you know the ship was designed to echo Italy and Venice. And so many of the spaces, like for example, the, uh, the, the main dining room is super cool. It's uh, two levels and it's got what looks like um, it's, it's sort of a glass floor in the middle that's bright blue to look like an ocean. And then it's got gondolas, you know, the kind you see in Venice in the middle. So you're going to see the Italian touches staying even as they sort of modernize and Americanize it a little bit for the carnival audience. This is the first of two ships that they're doing this with the carnival and, and it'll be sailing out of New York starting in June. I'm very excited about that. Always glad to have another ship sailing out of New York. The second ship is the carnival frenzy, which will undergo basically a similar transformation later this year. And when it's done, it'll begin sailing out of long beach, California in 2024. And our last story here, it looks like Celebrity Cruises is doing something that we don't see that often in the cruise industry. Almost never. We're pretty used to reporting that, you know, as a cruise line is introducing a new ship and they set the date for the inaugural voyage and in almost inevitably it ends up being postponed, especially these days with, you know, in the post-COVID era, we've seen so many ships delayed because of problems at the shipyard, things like that. So it's very, very common to hear them announce that, oh, we're gonna have to cancel these three trips and our new inaugural sailing will be, you know, two months later. Well, in this case, 
case, with the Celebrity Ascent, which is the newest ship in the Edge class, they're actually offering two preview sailings that are just being announced now, and they will sail before the official maiden voyage. So both of the new sailings are going to depart out of Port Everglades. The first one is a four-night Western Caribbean itinerary that will go to Cozumel. That leaves on November 22nd. Then right after that, there's a three-night Bohemian cruise that goes to Nassau and leaves on the 26th, making you know either of these a great option if you're looking for something to do right around Thanksgiving time. But again, the ship's official maiden voyage, which will be a seven-night trip going to the Eastern Caribbean, isn't until December 3rd. So they basically are confident enough in the progress of the ship and how it's coming that they're like, you know, they're actually adding a couple of preview sailings. To, which is great. I mean, you know, first of all, from a money-making perspective, you know, you're getting people on the ship earlier, but it also really helps build excitement. You know, people, the, these sailings are now open. People can book them now. And I suspect that they will sell pretty quickly for two reasons. One, everybody loves to sail a new ship. And two, Thanksgiving is a time when, you know, it's a lot of people look for short vacations. So to have two short sailings in the week of Thanksgiving on a brand new ship. I think that's it, buddy. Yeah, I think so, too. But I do think we have a couple of people you need to send a shout out to. Yeah, we have some new executive producers on board. So uh, you have some new bosses, Richard. So watch out. Uh-oh. Yeah, you have uh, Lester, Dell. We have Frankie, Brian. Howard, Karina, Karen, Curtis, and Angela, new uh, executive producers here on the Cruise Radio Patreon. And of course, you can check it out for yourself if you'd like to, patreon.com slash cruise radio. That is a whole lot of new bosses. I'm going to have to buy a lot of presents this boss's day. Do you have a story or a tip to report? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Just back from a cruise? Let's talk about it. Email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hey, a couple of months ago, Adam and his family took a seven-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Anthem of the Seas. It did a Florida and Bahamas run. Adam joins us on the line. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Thanks for having me, Doug. Yeah, man. Good to, good to talk to you again. You're in Jersey. The ship left from Jersey. Did that come into play when you booked this? Absolutely. It did, Doug. What this sailing was for me was I had a couple days off. I had a some vacation time that I needed to take. And I was looking at some land-based options with my daughter just to go out with my three-year-old daughter. And the pricing compared to for three or four nights was getting into well over $1,000. So I decided to take a look at some cruises. And this ship out of in the middle of December going from for seven nights instead of three or four nights was about the same cost if you factored in food and entertainment. So. I just hopped on that and I ended up going on this cruise with my 
three-year-old daughter and my 77-year-old father-in-law who doesn't speak much English. And my wife couldn't go because she's a teacher and she had to work. So as I described it, we went on a cruise and she was on vacation. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so let's talk about you getting to the pier then. You make your way to uh, Bayonne to board Anthem of the Seas. Given that every embarkation port is different, how was the embarkation experience at Cape Liberty in Jersey? Because like the person before you, he just did the navigator out of L.A. and he said it was flawless. This cruise was much better than our last cruise out of Bayonne. It was very quick. It's one road in, one road out. And we got there around 10 a.m. And we were ready to get on the ship around by 1030. So it was very smooth and very quick. The big difference between this cruise and the Oasis cruise that went out of there probably was the amount of passengers going in at the same time. This cruise had about 4,500 passengers. The Oasis had over 6,500. So that might have had something to do with it. But the Anthem size, I think this this port, this port uh, cruise port can handle very easily. What were your first impressions once boarding Anthem of the Seas? It's a beautiful ship. Uh, Royal does a very, very good job on all the ships that I've been on, when you walk on in their promenade or esplanade in this case, the view that you have and all the things that it has to offer is like a big wow factor. So uh, again, they don't disappoint. You boarded super early. Were the rooms ready? We had to register my daughter for the Adventure Ocean. We had to make some reservations and then we had to eat. So we just did all those things. And then we also packed a bathing suit for the indoor pool they had for my uh, myself and my daughter. So we would go swimming when there was no nobody in the pool. So it actually worked out very well. What kind of stateroom did you book on this seven-night cruise, and what did you think of it? It was a standard balcony room, typical size for Royal in their balconies. They're more modern balconies, I can say. Pretty spacious on the outside. Uh, enough storage on the inside. Had the pull-out couch that pulled out from my, my daughter's bed. And uh, the two twin beds for one for my father-in-law, one for me. Perfect amount of space there. The bathroom had this sliding glass or plastic uh, shower that's circular, like almost like a tube. And just enough storage for really two people, I would say. Yeah, those those showers on those that class of ship. It's like one of those, uh, the bank teller tubes, right? Exactly. You feel like you're going to be shot out. Exactly. Were there plenty of plugs for the accessories? There wasn't that many plugs, but I always bring a USB adapter. And so that usually satisfies our plug needs. Let's talk about dining on this seven night cruise. And we'll start at the Windjammer Buffet up top. How was your experience in there? Probably my favorite Windjammer of the Royal Caribbean ships I've been on. I think this is my fifth. The reason being is instead of having lines, this one actually had physical blocked stations. So you could actually go to a station with the different types of food that you wanted and you'd have to wait online for everyone else. Also, the other thing that I really liked about this buffet is the biggest line in the mornings I found when it came to buffets on any cruise ships is the omelet station. This cruise ship fixed the lines in two ways that I think all cruise ships should follow. First off, they had a fried egg station, which is what I partake in every day anyways. So you don't need to go on the omelet station line to get your over easy eggs or fried eggs that you want. So it decreases the line there. And second, when you did want an omelet, they give you a buzzer. So you make your order, you take the buzzer and you go get the rest of your food. 
and it buzzes when your omelet's ready. You go pick it up and it really cuts down on people waiting in line for essentially no reason. Those cookies at the bakery are amazing. Did you have any of those? Yes, of course. Yeah, and the, the, the desserts and the cookies and the snacks, you can't help but pick. Let's talk about the main dining room now. There's set time or my time. Uh, we did set time dining, early dining at 5.30 because of keeping on a routine with my daughter. And we also like to have the regular staff that, that you get. We were originally sat at a table for six people for the three of us. And we asked, and one thing I can say, I didn't want to risk my daughter as a three-year-old being uppity and causing any kind of scenes. And so I wanted to make sure that we had a table of our own. As you'll hear most people say, I'm sure you've heard many times, if you have an issue or you want something to be fixed, talk to the staff. They'll try to make you happy. And they did. They got us a table of our own for the next night. It was perfect. So we were able to have a table of our own. And to tell you the truth, my concerns were not valid as my daughter was very well behaved every dinner. So I can't ever complain about that. Yeah, win-win there. And the meals throughout the week, pretty solid? Very solid. I would say above average to a couple very, very good quality meals at the main dining room this time. Aside from like the places on the promenade, Sorrento's and the Park Cafe, any specialty restaurants on this sailing? We did not do any specialty okay. restaurants, no. We did try the Sorrento's pizza, mm -hmm. uh, in which uh, my daughter and I both enjoyed the pizza there. It's almost like a bar pie. It's thin crust. It's pretty good pizza, particularly for a cruise ship. Compared to other cruise ships, anyways, it's pretty good pizza. How was the entertainment on this seven-nighter? Entertainment, as Royal does, is always top of the line. Uh, I will start with the activity entertainment, because this was interesting. I was looking for activities to do with my three-year-old. So I knew I was going to be possibly limited in some. So I was looking at North Star. I was looking at, ironically, I was looking at iFly, the skydiving simulator. I was looking at North Star and I did sign her up for that, us up for that. And ironically, she could not go on North Star because they have a height restriction of 42 inches. And my daughter's not quite there yet. So I was a little disappointed with that. But when I asked the reasoning, that she couldn't go on North Star, which is essentially a, a visual viewing area that goes 300 feet up and takes you around. They said that if they ever have a breakdown, they need to do a harness to get you down. And the 42 inches is for the harness. So for those aware, those of you out there that are looking to do North Star with a young child, just keep that in mind. There is a height restriction of 42 inches. To my surprise, on the other end, though, the iFly, Ripcord by iFly, the skydiving simulator, does not have a height restriction, and it has a minimum age restriction of three years old. So I signed my daughter and myself and my 77-year-old father-in-law up for that because I asked my daughter, does she want to do it? And she said yes at the time. And I wasn't going to force her, but if she wanted to not do it, we, I would get her in the flight suit and just take a picture and we'd all be happy. But we got there. And I think because another 11-year-old girl was doing it, she got all pumped to do it and said, do you want to do it? And she shook her head yes, and she got into it. And that was the highlight of my cruise. That's awesome. Seeing a three-year-old with a smile on her face, with the flight gear on, and her arms out, following the directions of the instructor. It was phenomenal to watch her do those two minutes, two one-minute sessions. What did you think about the music around the ship? Uh, the music was 
very good. We also did do the Spectre Cabaret, which, as the three of us, which is 50 minutes long, uh, has multiple singing, electronic screens, and digital displays going on. Very entertaining for us, and it was a perfect blank for uh, for my uh, my daughter as well. So very entertaining. And I personally did We Will Rock You, their Queen musical that they have on board. My daughter was in the Adventure Ocean when it was. It's two hours. It's two hours long, just too long for a child. But it was very, very good, very entertaining, very talented people in both shows. The only thing I'd say, if you're not a big fan of Queen music, you might want to avoid the We Will Rock You. But if you like anything like that, very talented, very well worth doing. One other aspect of entertainment is my father-in-law likes to play cards. So we, at night, sometimes when my daughter was in Adventure Ocean, we go play cards. There is no separate card room per se on this ship. And the library is right behind 270, which is the theater where they do Spectre Cabaret and other shows. So we always had essentially loud music on in the background while we were playing cards. Mm-hmm. But just, just a side note for people who like play cards, board games, that type of stuff, that there is not a separate room for that on this ship. Being a big fan of Queen, that We Will Rock You show was spot on. Oh, yes, it was. I, I'm a big fan of Queen music, too. And I was willing to go again, but yeah. I couldn't. Right. <laughs> the people we sat next to at the main dining room, though, there was a table next to us. They were huge Queen fans. And they'd gone to like multiple Queen concerts over the years. And I joked, we we're joking with them that they actually chose this ship because of this show that they didn't even realize was on it. But they ended up going three times. What did you think about the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Surprisingly, with 4,500 people on board and they having an indoor pool area, it really didn't feel as crowded as I thought it would be. Like we were up there early to get our chairs. And even on the, the two sea days in the cold, like we, the second day when we were coming up from New York and we really didn't need to. I mean, it did fill up by the time we were leaving around 1130, 12 o'clock to go get lunch. But I still thought there were chairs available, uh, whether up, uh, up on the second level or not. And my guess is that most of the people that were adults were in the also covered solarium, but the indoor pool area, which is a heated pool, they had the two jacuzzis and then a little splash pool area, which is also heated, made this ship a phenomenal winter ship, particularly with kids. This cruise went to Port Canaveral slash Orlando, comma, Nassau, Bahamas, and Royal Caribbean's private island, Perfect Day. The first stop was Port Canaveral. Did you do anything there? No, we did not. We stayed on the ship and enjoyed uh, the routine and a little bit less crowds on the outdoor and enjoyed the outdoor pools that they offered on the ship as well, which we didn't get to enjoy in the colder weather. Anything in Nassau? No, we stayed on the ship for that one. Did you see that recent cruise report that has Nassau, the number 19th cruise port out of 20 and Freeport was the 20th? Well, it's believable. I'm actually excited to see when NASA actually finishes all that work there, if it's going to make it worth getting off the ship more. Cinco de Mayo, they're supposed to be opening it as of uh, January, actually. They said May 5th. So we'll see how that happens. And then, of course, the big draw of the itinerary. Perfect day. We got off the ship and we were following the three-year-old for then. We did the Captain Jill's Galleon, which is the 
little pirate, I wouldn't say little pirate ship, but the pirate ship that they have when you first get off the boat and come down the pier, which has like cannons, water cannons that they have near the ship and kids can climb up and play around and slide down. It was entertaining for about a half hour, 45 minutes. The real highlight for kids, though, is Splash Away Bay. And that is just a mess of water. Kids, when they're in that right age group, it's going to, it's just phenomenal. They have a bunch of uh, slides that go into a pool for the kids. And then they just have, it's like a jungle gym of water climbing up and getting splashed out there. And my daughter's just a tad young to really get the full impact of it. But I think that's just a phenomenal area just in general for kids. And then finally, we went to the pool, or the main pool and the Oasis Lagoon pool. And we just chilled, got a couple loungers and just went into the shallow area of the pool, played around, played games. She met up with some friends that she made on the ship and played some games in the pool there. and. We got some food and ended up going back on the ship after uh, a little bit uh, going around some of the little tchotchke stores they have there. Mm -hmm. Very cool. One thing I will advise that I didn't realize at the time was we brought our stroller off the ship for taking her around and not having to do long distances. I did not realize they had beach strollers that you could just use when you get off the ship, which has those really big wheels and can go over the sand. So if you're going with the child that you're going to use a stroller at perfect day, my advice is just walk off with the child, bring your bags or whatever you need and get the beach strollers that they have available to you when you get off the ship. Uh, so you can use that on the sand, not just on the walkways. Were you the only ship in port? Yes. It's always a hot mess when you have like a quantum class ship and an Oasis class ship there. I haven't been on, thankfully, when it had those two big ships. I have been on when two ships were at there. But again, I think it was less occupancy at the time. So I probably was like the equivalent of one ship when yeah. I went last time. All right. You make your way back to New York from the Bahamas. December was notorious for those choppy seas. But did you luck out and have some slick waters on the way up? It was. I mean, there was some little bit of waves here and there, but nothing that the Anthem style ship that I could really really would hinder me and yeah. I get motion sickness. So gotcha. it was fine for me. So I say it was pretty smooth. Gotcha. And how was debark once you got back to Cape Liberty? Very, very smooth. We took our time because, well, we actually got a late debark time because we didn't want to do all the bags ourselves uh, because of it was just two adults and we had so much luggage with the, with the child and all the stuff you need to bring for the child. So we got the nine thirty time. And that was like the last time to get off. And we got off the boat. My recommendation, particularly if you have kids, use the porter. They got our gear and took it out right to, to the edge of the road where our car, right by the parking garage. So we could pull our car up and just uh, put our, our uh, suitcases in. And we packed up and just left. So using the porter helped a lot when you're trying to move four pieces of luggage and a stroller. And you only have two people to do it. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. Let's see here. Any first time tips to offer anyone sailing um, Anthem of the Seas? Make reservations for the things you want. Uh, one thing I will say regarding some of the activities, you can't make some of the reservations if you want to pay for them, if you don't want to, if you want to do the complimentary. For instance, the Ripcord by iFly and the North Star. If you make reservations ahead of time, 
they were on the website. You, if you're able to, they charge you, but they do offer complimentary times, I think on port days for some of these things. So, but when that opens is I believe at seven o'clock or 11 o'clock the night before, I think it's seven o'clock the night before the next day for the next day, all the time slots open. So if you want complimentary, mm-hmm. you're going to have to wait until you get on the ship and then log in when they tell you to log in to get the times. Gotcha. But so just keep those in mind. If you're willing to pay, uh, make the reservations early, get the time slots you want and just go with it. And one more recommendation is when you travel kids, use the kids club. And when you do use the kids club, register them the first day and take them there the first night, at least the first night when all the kids are meeting each other. It allowed my my daughter to make friends. And then she wanted to go to the kids club the rest of the time to meet and be with and play with the friends she made. That was one of the most important things that actually made it a big actual vacation for me and my father-in-law also, because she wanted to go and I wasn't going to force her to go, but she actually wanted to go each night of the cruise after night two. So she only missed one other night, which is when we went to a show and she went to the kids club every other night. And one other thing regarding the kids club is some kids like structured activities. Some kids don't. This ship currently has a kids club that is very, very structured. My daughter loves structured activities, so she loved it. But keep that in mind with your kids and the kids club that this kids club in particular, it has very structured activities. Very good to know. And I forgot to ask you earlier, so I'll ask you now. What was the smoking like in and around the casino? I can't speak to that as I did not was not able to partake in the casino. I can say the casino was very very sizable so you pretty much any game you want on a cruise ship is there because it is a large casino but I we did not I was not able to partake. And then how about like were you able to or did you smell the smoke anywhere when you weren't inside there? I did not smell the smoke. Uh, I believe the casino is on level 3 and the promenade or esplanade's on level 4 and I did not smell it on the esplanade at all. Very good. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Definitely the ripcord by iFly and the fact that it does allow uh, children to do it. And the fact that my daughter actually did it. Those pictures of her doing the ripcord by iFly will be with me for uh, the rest of my life, truthfully. And your final thoughts of Anthem of the Seas. It's the perfect winter ship to go out of the New York area, go on it, Enjoy the pool, the heated pools they have, both indoor if you have kids, and then the solarium if you don't. It's the perfect winter ship. We've been talking with Adam about his seven-night sailing from Cape Liberty, New Jersey, down to the Florida Bahamas area on Anthem of the Seas. Adam, thank you so much for giving your review, and always good talking to you, my friend. Good talking to you as well, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.